the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Starting with Mr. Brandon Birdside. Brandon! What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Good to see everyone. Good to see you. Followed by the Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. This is show 223, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Hello, everyone. Good evening. <laughs> Rob, I know you've had a long day, but you're looking good, bro. You're looking good. So we can. I'm feeling in. good. <laughs> I feel better than I look. I'm sure about that. <laughs> and then joining us again, because we had so much fun last time and there was so much we didn't get to. Our new friend for the Audio Now cast, Mr. David Sonnenshine. David, welcome back. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Very excited. And David must be a good friend now if you're pronouncing his name right. He's <laughs> 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 no, actually, Thrill. <laughs> <laughs> I practice. Just want to let you know, I practice. I practice. I uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a lot we're going to talk about. Um, there's a lot that we didn't get to having to do with audio and its audio and its effect on the body, um, audio and nature, uh, even audio and uh, the paranormal. So we're going to talk about a few things um, um, with David because he. Man, the guy knows everything, so I'm just going to put it there. <laughs> I don't, I mean, if I don't know it, I ask Rob. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Between you two. And if I don't know, I just make up something. So. <laughs> well, I want to give you guys an update. On, uh, you know, last week, we talked about um, this 5-1, little budget 5-1 studio that I'm putting together because, you know, there's a lot of work that's going to be coming out and that is out there. So if you're out there and you want to make money in audio, you know, there's, there's these independent films. And I'm not going to say low budge because none of them, low budge kind of, um, you know, infers a certain quality. And, and oh my goodness, hold on one second. Nick Peck is joining us. Wow. Hold on. Hey, Mike, I got to run and get a power cable. All right. Nick, are you there? I'm here for just one sec. Can you see me? <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we, we started rolling. Okay, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to pop in for a second. Uh, my son and I are in uh, Mojave, California. We're about to go skiing. And uh, we stopped at a roadside diner. This is the first time that I have been inside of a restaurant in over a year. So. <laughs> that is, uh, you know what? That is so great. That is so amazing. I'm we so glad. You. We're, just, we're just hearing you. Should we be seeing you or is this audio only? Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm in, I don't know. Okay. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how to use the, the Zoom client. Oh, wait, no, there. Hold on. There. Oh, there you are. <laughs> so, that is so great. That is so great. Uh, that is awesome. We're in the middle. I, I just wanted to photobomb the podcast for a minute, because particularly because I haven't missed one in months and months and months and months. So no, I just you know what? To say hello for a minute. It's totally awesome. I'm so glad. It's so good to see you, brother. It is well, really you good too. To see you. Good to hear you. And I'm amazed at the quality, man, technology, you know? It's we're sitting in Mojave, California, like, you know, <laughs> where they have like test airplanes and things like that. In the, the tip of the desert. So I don't know. It's just nuts. That is great. Hey, did you, uh, did you bring your recording gear so you can get some really good ambiences while you're out there? <laughs> Thank you very much. No, but I just got like the, the, 
the, the taco salad. <laughs> <laughs> That's much more important than the recording gear. You know what? This is the best segment ever. I'm just going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what we did bring? I charged up all the batteries for the GoPro. GoPro. I, I brought it. I'm aware. Oh, yes. We are no, attaching wait. it to my son's helmet tomorrow, and we I'm will do down. much. We will do He's, we're we're going to see what, what kind of results we can get on the, with the GoPro going down, bombing down the ski slopes. Well, that's so, great. So. That's great. Well, hey, I'll let you get back to your taco salad. Okay. Thank you so much for popping in. This is real fun. You're very welcome. Love you all, Audio Nowcast folks. Thank you all for listening in, and I promise I'll be here significantly more next time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's great. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Brandon, perfect timing too, brother. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) I just had one of those situations where I like, I didn't even think to check the power because it's been on the power cord all day, but looked under the desk. It had come apart from that, you know, the wall. Oh, don't you love that? (laughs) 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 Well, anyhow, wow, that was great. What a great, what a fun little, little, uh, little segment there. But I want to give you guys an update on the, this 5.1 studio that I'm putting together. Like I was saying, there's going to be a ton of work out there um, for, for the independents and their budgets for mixing and for audio are not that much. They're like from the low end six grand to the, you know, to the $15,000 range, right? It's, it's in there and that's, that's low budget, but that's more independent. Um, and so how do you make money on that? And, and I have a couple things coming down the pipe where I have that opportunity. So the first thing I did is I needed to put together a five, one system and, and actually probably the next podcast, you'll see a little bit of it. And I went to, I started with the first thing you want to start with is, which is your speakers. Right. And so I went and I auditioned a bunch of, I would say low budget speakers, you know, speakers, $300 each and below. Um, Cause I didn't want to invest a ton of time. Cause if you have a budget and you're not making a ton of money, you don't want to blow it all on, on just your speakers. And so I went and I listened to a bunch of speakers and I went to guitar center and <laughs> it was an experience. First of all, there's speaker wall at one of the guitar. And I'm going to, I'm not going to point any names because the, the salesmen were all very nice and they're all trying to help, but they had speakers starting from the floor up to above your head. Right. And they have it on the wall and then you have to go in and use a little electronic switcher. And so when you're trying to compare a speaker, you're comparing to three Oh fives, JBLs down here with the uh, TV um, fives and they may be at the floor. And I'm like, how in the world can you possibly, possibly judge a speaker when it's below your knees? No, it's like kind. Of, it's like trying to pick microphones out at a NAM show. It's just you get the basic idea. Of I, I have not had, and and I haven't auditioned speakers in such a long time. And it was so funny just to see how crazy these setups were, and none of them were level match. I actually helped the guy fix his wall because I said, dude, you got to level match these because if I go to one to another, I just want to hear the change in the speaker. I don't want to hear the change of the, the volume. You know, I just want to hear the change of the speaker. And I said, and take the, these should not be on the floor. These should be up here because these are really good speakers and you should have them up here to at least ear height and put some of these other ones down there, put the KRKs down there because those didn't sound that great. Anyhow, it was so funny. And what people understand is, and I was talking to the, um, 
to the salesman. And this one guy, he, he's a young kid and he was trying and he's talking to me about speakers and he was saying, well, you know, this speaker, it was really difficult for me to mix with. And, and I had a set of these, but I found it really difficult, to, you know, especially to, to get my vocals on it. And, and I said, look, if you're going to mix the speakers and you don't, and you've never heard them or the first time, don't you use reference material? I go, just get a song that you know, get something that you know and just play through it. And that way you'll know how to adjust your mixes to hit the speaker. Like that's the simplest thing. Cause as a, as an audio engineer, I've worked in a lot of different rooms. I always know what I'm going to play so that I can kind of get, get a balance and kind of get a gist of what's happening. Anyway, it was, it was really, I, I felt like I just shared, you know, a map to the Inca gold to the guy. <laughs> you know, it was so funny. Yeah, you know, and, and as we're talking speakers, I realized I haven't auditioned speakers in a long time. I was telling him, look, when you hear a speaker, you do realize that what you hear, your mix is going to kind of be the inverse of that, right? So if you hear a, a speaker that has a ton of low end and low mids, um, when you mix, you're going to be pulling out a ton of low end and low mids. And I go, you just got to realize how speakers, how, what part they play in your mix, you know? And that's why people want a flat because if you get a flat speaker, especially as a, you know, as a professional, you, it, it's a little bit more honest. Um, but you have to be aware that you, you're like, if you have a lot of low end in a speaker, that doesn't necessarily mean your mixes are going to have a lot of low end. It's, it's actually going to be the inverse of that. And so anyhow, after the final, the whole thing, um, the speakers that I ended up getting <laughs> were, I got the M audio BX five A's. Um, and the reason why I got those is because they sounded good and had a lot of power. So when you're editing sound effects, you want, you want that power. You want to feel like the power is there. And they're very, look, the BX5As are, are a powerful speaker, but they, they're, the mids can go to hell really, really fast. It can get really, really harsh. And, and actually, that was a good thing because if you can keep your mix clean and honest on them, then they're going to sound good on a lot of speakers, you know, if they go south really fast, then you're, you know, that it has almost a built-in like suck filter, <laughs> you know? And so if you can get a clean mix on those, it's almost why that it's why the NS10s worked out so well, because the NS10s are horrible sounding speakers. But back in the day, if you could get a good sound on an NS10, you know, that was going to translate um, amongst everything. I just want to throw it out to you guys though, <laughs> when was the last time you guys actually shot for speakers? Have, have any of you have any, uh, any, anything recently within like the last two years? It's, it's more than two years for me, but the last time I went to a, it was actually not for studio stuff. It was for, I was helping somebody pick out a home system and we went to a quote unquote ultra high end uh, stereo store, you know, where you buy all the crazy, ridiculous, expensive stuff yeah. that you never see in a studio. But uh what I remember is we're listening to speakers and I realized as soon as we started listening, half these speakers are out of phase. Oh, yes, that's right. I had that same problem. I pointed it out to the salesperson. They had no idea. And the stuff had been sitting there for a really long time this way. And I'm thinking, okay, this is ridiculous. You know, these people have no idea what they're, I mean, maybe they've understood and read all the specs about the speakers, but if you sit in front of a pair of speakers and you can't tell that they're out of phase, I'm not going to be taking audio advice from you. I mean, as soon as I felt done, you know that out of phase feeling where it yeah. feels like your head's going to yeah. explode or implode. Totally. And I had that instantly. Like, it wasn't hard to tell it was out of phase. It was, 
if there had been an out of phase light, it would have been like slightly more helpful. <laughs> it's so that true. Last, and so after that, I just told the salesman, you know, show me where the buttons are. We're just going to sit and listen to stuff. And so I ended up going behind and it, this was like uh, B&W speakers and that kind of stuff, you know, for home use. I ended up going behind and flipping the phase on some of them and we made a decision just based on what sounded okay. But that's pretty cool. I let down, like, don't assume anybody knows more than you do about, about audio. Yeah. And you know what? The other thing is don't like it's personal taste, right? I mean, even though the speaker sounded bad to me, you may love that sound, <laughs> you know, like it's, that, it's true. But if you're going out, I mean, I always say, First of all, yes, you have to know your own speakers so that if you're mixing on your own speakers, it's like understanding your tools and, and you know, knowing what it's going to sound like in the rest of the world. But if you go into a stereo store or something or, or a speaker store, bring material you're used to because, yeah, it may have a ton of bass in there where you may say, oh, that's really cool, but that's not the assignment. Right. right. So I've always tried to bring in albums or, or things that I've worked on so at least I know what they sounded like in a studio uh, before the room, because if it sounds better than it did in the studio, that's not a good thing. No, and you should have done a better job in the studio. But you don't. You want speakers that are honest. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. One of my favorite tracks to play as a reference track is I like Stevie Wonder's "As," because Nate's bass line there when he's popping, man. If that if that has character, and if you can just feel that pop then that's a good speaker because it's, it, it's, it's not overly bass. They didn't, it's not all these super low subs and it, it's a very clean, it has the vocals, it has the highs, you got the drums. It's a really great track to, to audition. It is. And uh, another one, it, it used to be federal law that you had to use the song Crazy by Seal. <laughs> and I still use it sometimes because I mean, I, just, I, I mean, if I think of that song and put my ear to the mic, you'll actually hear it coming out of my head. Like I'm so used to how it sounds. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that that is an awesome cd also uh there were a few the eagles was some of it yeah. Loggins for a while like yeah. there have been the flavors of the month and the year of what you listen to well i mean the best thing is is not especially if you're gonna mix don't get hyped tracks either like if you got something that has that that's playing a ton of super low 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 end oh no just, if you listen to speakers i mean unless you're going to be doing hip-hop and you're going to mix with that heavy bass like if you pick speakers based on how like a dr dre track sounds then you're going to have to just really crank up your bass too otherwise everything you do like you said it's going to have no bass it's like if you put on you know, green glasses before you do color correction, you're going to take all the green out of everything because everything's going to look green. <laughs> totally. Hey, Brandon, what kind of speakers do you use? What, what are got, your... I've just got a 2.1 setup. I've got Genelex uh, 8040A speakers, <laughs> and then uh, I think it's a 7070 or something. So yeah, Yep, yep. The 8040s are great. Those are good speakers. I, I, I like Genelex in general, I like, but they're out of my price range uh, for this project. Um David, when was the last time you, you went shopping for something? It's been a while, um, probably eight years or something like that. Uh, I have also M Audio 2.1 uh, AV40s. Uh, they do me right uh, with what I'm doing, which is more um, more film sound. I'm not doing too much music. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I, I don't, it's another sub. I can't see. It's been too long. It, it's not an. an I'm audio sub, but uh, it was a. It seemed to work nicely with the setup, uh, so that's that's what I use. And, and uh, honestly, uh, unless I'm doing a, a real critical um, professional mix, I'm doing a lot of audio just off of the computer speakers um, nowadays because that's what people are listening to as well, like yeah. we're talking about. 
and they're very honest. Like a good MacBook Pro, uh, a semi-recent MacBook Pro is a great way to check a mix. Yeah. So brutally honest. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet they sound better than you'd think a speaker that size would sound. Like It's so true. There's good acoustics in it. Yeah, well, yeah. I always go to those for uh, for reference, and as well as just the iPhone itself. Yeah. yeah. I look at my iPad where they have four speakers because I have the iPad Pro, and I'm like, what kind of wizardry do they do to get as much bass as they do on these suckers when it's this, this thing, you know? I'll tell you what, though. One of the deciding factors for getting the, the BX5As uh, is, number one, I have two already, so those are going to be my, my – um, my surround speakers, but it was really funny. They left the sale price tag up on the speaker itself. So a speaker that was normally going to be $159, I got for $100 because even though the sale had ended, (laughs) they, they honored that price. And I'm like, you know what? To get three speakers for basically 300 bucks plus tax, Enough said. So I had to budget a little bit more than that for all my speakers, but I ended up getting those speakers. So I got my, you know, I have my, my five speakers. Now I already have a sub. So that was one of the secrets to, to getting this thing together. The other thing is, is I, I got to give a plug to one of my favorite plug-in companies, Cargo Cult. I don't know if you guys have used them. They make Spanner. They make all these really cool plugins. Well, they have a, um, they have a plugin that, I just read about and I'm downloading the demo, but I'm going to be getting it for sure because it's going to save me a ton of money. And it's called Stem Cell. And basically it manages your, it's a, it's a high pass and a low pass filter for your surround setup, but you can set it up so that you can use it for base management for your LFE, which is perfect because I'm going to set it up. I'm going to listen to what it sounds like. I'm going to be running a bunch of stems through it so I can get a, a, a taste of how my system is. And then I'm just going to, tweak that little the LFE so that it it sounds like it needs to sound you know because basically when you're mixing surround especially for film it's all like a full range anyhow it you let the home um entertainment system let it do its base management to throw it but you want to you want to mix full range and then throw only LFE stuff but if you have these small speakers and they're not giving you enough punch then on the monitoring side you can send out you know your your little bit of bass from all your stems to your LFE and get get that that beefier sound. So I just thought that was brilliant. Well, as soon as I saw that, because I hadn't checked on them in a while, it was it's amazing. That's 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 a game changer for small studios because bass management is a huge thing. It's really huge, and so it's really misunderstood things like that. We're not going to get into it, but that that it's only two hundred dollars and it's it's well worth it to to help set you up. And the other thing too is there's a lot of great tools out nowadays that are gonna automate a lot of things that as a mixer took so much time. And one of them is um Isotope's dialogue match, where you can get your ADR and you can get your your track that you're trying to match and it'll do it for you. It'll match the EQ, it'll match the reverb, and it's just it's like magic. And I can't tell you how long I used to spend on my dialogue tracks. And time is money. So if it's going to take a week mix and get it down to a day or two, guess what? That $10,000, even if you bring another guy or two on, you can start making money with that. You know, you can start. I have a question about that. I've never heard of this before just now. Is it a little bit like what Convolution Reverb does uh, where where it kind of just looks at the differences between things and then just modifies it? It's it's a 
It's a combination of EQ. It, basically, it takes a print of yeah. your of your target, and it applies that to your. Um, it well, it takes to the new material. So let's say you have a target. If I need to match this line here, it'll take a print of that, and it the new stuff like the ADR. It will use EQ. It'll use its reverb. I haven't I haven't used it yet, and I, I haven't. But I just w- I went on their. Uh, on their website and I saw that and I heard the demos and I'm like, that's almost like the Holy grail. I can't tell you how awesome that is. And there's so many cool plugins like that, that, that make it worthwhile and make it easy to make money on those low budgeted things. And dialogue is a huge part. It's a huge part, you know, some stuff you can't, you can't avoid, you know, the manual labor of, for instance, cutting in sound effects and things like that. That's, but even still, man, the way Soundminer is and the way some of these other guys where you can trim it, boom, 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 and then you spot right into, into uh, your session, that it's so fast. It's just boom, 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 boom. Nuendo has this amazing feature where it'll take your video and it'll actually put markers on the cuts. So now you have, the, you have your video already pre-marked, right? So then if you're laying out your, your, your background stems, that's huge because it's so easy. You don't have to go in there. You just know, boom, 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 boom. So it's all being a little bit more efficient and, and taking your time. And all these things are going to help you make money on a lower budget and at the same time still give you time to do the fun stuff, which you can't automate, which is what? Which is sound design. That's the, that's the fun stuff as far as I'm concerned. Coming up with sounds of monsters and coming up with sound, like, like the, you know, the really fun sound design. Now, I'm not saying there's not sound design and coming up with unique ambiences and things like that, but all that kind of creative audio stuff can only happen once you get all the necessary dialogue, the necessary, you know, all the, all the nuts and bolts of, of what you're doing. So anyhow, that's, that's an update on my, <laughs> my quest to make money. <laughs> but the good thing is, is, you know, I, I've got one job coming down and now that I've accepted this job, I've got another job already after that. So it's, it looks like it's, it's, it's going to be something kind of fun. At least it's going to pay for itself and it's going to allow me to update and, and keep going. But, you know, that's the thing is there's a lot, of, a lot of content coming down the pipe and there's a lot of things that are happening. And, and technology just is, you know, it levels the playing field. And there's going to be, I guarantee you, somewhere down the road, there's going to be this really great film that's going to come out and the budget for the sound was, you know, the budget for the movie was maybe hundred to $200,000 and the budget for the sound was probably 10 grand, you know, 15 grand. And, and it's going to sound like a million dollar movie because the tools are so good nowadays. So all that. As soon as someone wins an Oscar for one of those movies, which will happen, then uh, the whole industry will change. If someone wins a sound Oscar too, yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's going to be. But the technology's there. It's fun to actually. I haven't done this in such a long time because I actually stepped away from audio um, for almost two years when I went started shooting after I left my other place and I went and I, I spent some time doing all the filming. And it's so good. It's so much fun to be back. I can't tell you how much fun it was to just be back in Pro Tools Ultimate and just setting up my templates and checking my old templates and stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's like coming home. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's move on. I could keep you guys posted and, and there's all kinds of other things um, that we can talk about about that later um, but 
I want to go back to talking about sound and talking about audio and talking about its effect on on our bodies. And, you know, we talked a little bit about last time, but I, I want to get, David, and I, this is kind of geared towards you, you know, sound is, is, we think we understand it, but in some ways we don't really understand it, right? I've been doing a lot of, a lot of uh, reading about sound and it just seems like it, it's, there's something about it that is still a little magical, right? There's some, there's this, this like, it's like, yes, it's vibrations through all these particles, but then you'd start talking about, well, what about in space? There's no particles. And then you're talking about, well, yes, there is. It's just have to have really big sound waves. That's where we can hear like the big room and stuff like that. I mean, why is, is it, is it as magical as, as I'm making it or is it really already well thought out? People already know. Well, I think we're talking about vibration in a bigger sense. And when you talk about, like, what are we perceiving? Uh, it's, we could talk about the frequency that we hear in our ears. And my hearing is pretty shot above 12K, but other people can hear above it. So, you, you know, what are we talking about in terms of human experience? I think that's your question. Am I right? Yeah, I, I just, absolutely. That's we can phrase it that way. <laughs> yeah, and so human experience is it, it, like I'm working in the field of <clears throat> of autism, and there's a saying that's um, you know one person with autism, and then you know one person with autism, and so we are all on the spectrum as in this area of sound as well, and so we can look statistically like the human population generally goes from you know. 20 hertz to 20K, you know, and then as you get older, it drops, and that, that's a statistical analysis of it. But what does it do to us? I think uh, I was just in a, a very intense forum with NIH, National Institute of Health professionals, uh, who are studying music and health. And it went on for four hours with these very intense questions about what are we even studying and, and why are we studying it? And they brought up the point, like, if you're going to do something that's going to analyze sound and music and how it's affecting somebody, for clinical purposes, you have to isolate, like, pitch or timbre or, or each piece component. But on the other hand, we all know that when we listen to music, it affects us in a gestalt. It affects us in so many ways. And, and one guy said... It's like you want to study the river and you go there and you pick a bucket of water out of the river and then you look at it on the banks and you look at that water and you're going to try to understand the river. It, it, there's so much more. So I'm kind of roundabout saying that it has a lot to do with the observer, really. Who is looking at it? Who's asking the question? What are you looking for? Uh, in terms of experience, what are you even able to experience? You know, that... That thing is like seeing is believing. Well, believing is seeing. And we could say believing is hearing as well. Hmm. So there's a perspective basis on, on all of what we're talking about philosophically, but also neurologically. You know, if we're not able to perceive it because we don't believe it, we're not going to perceive it. So, so anyway, I, I, I'm kind of uh, jumping around a little bit. On no, this. but, but that, you know, but that's the thing about when you start doing a deep dive into audio beyond its 
the facade and how, how deep you can get and, and how sound affects our bodies and how sound like, you know, there's some people, I mean, I've never done one, but I know people that swear by like sound baths and how the healing properties of sound baths. I mean, what do you think about something like that? What's your opinion on something like that? How does that even work? I have participated in both uh, receiving sound baths and giving them. And one thing I'll say in general is that different people will respond to exactly the same sound bath in different ways. So it's, it's like, um, dosage, uh, you could call it dosage in medical terms, how loud is it going to be that somebody needs to get to start to feel it really good and really good? And uh, maybe another person's threshold is pain and they can't stand it. So a single sound bath is going to really affect different people in different ways, first of all. Uh, one, uh, one way to design a sound bath, I think, is to work with an individual uh, sonic uh, creator, let's say the, the sound healer, whatever they're called, the therapist, and the person who's receiving it, and check in and see what's happening and maybe do several sessions and, and find out with a kind of a, a feedback loop what's really working for that person or not. Um, if you really want to get deep, um, I have had experiences working with several people creating sounds together for a single person in a sound bath as well. And in that case, there is a very important level of communication that we have to have as sound creators tuning into what that person needs at that moment. And, you know, in doing sessions like that, we might have had three or four or five individual people during the, the two hours we might be doing it one after another with the same people creating the sounds, we will do something totally different depending on their needs. Hmm. And so I, I would say that it's to be effective. Um, it's not just a generic thing, a sound bath. I mean, it's like saying, what should we, what music should we put on to dance to? Right. Same question, you know, culturally, what are they used to? What, what is their body going to be able to handle? What time of day did they just eat? And maybe they shouldn't move too much because they got full, full belly. So it's, it's a, a, a good question with a lot of different kinds of uh, answers. answers. Yeah. Well, here's the second question. Uh, gongs and cymbals, though. Couldn't they think of something better than gongs and cymbals? <laughs> yeah. I mean, or is that, does that have to do with the vibration? Does that have to do with that? Well, let me ask you, what do you mean by better? Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I find the tone, like, I just, I find there's other sounds to me that would be, that would just sound better. That would just. Well, well, I, I would, I would just question the word better because it might be perfect for somebody. Well, that's true. You're right. You're right. And, I, and I maybe agree. the worst possible thing for somebody else. Yeah. So I, I've experienced those and and some of them are phenomenal experiences with gongs where they make sounds that I've never heard in anywhere else. Um, and they do transport me to some place, but it's not necessarily the same place as the person who's lying next to me. You know? um, on the other hand, uh, I'm, I don't play the gong, so I, I really can't speak to the creation of those sounds much. My uh, instruments 
are wind instruments. Uh, mm. And in particular, I do a lot of work with a didgeridoo. Now, mm. with didgeridoo, there's something more than just creating a, a, a sound for your ears. It's such a strong physical vibration that if you point it at a person, they can feel the vibration physically in any part of their body, but in particular in their chest because of the, the lungs will, will serve as a resonating chamber in there. And so um, I particularly use it as a directional um, sound device. It's not quite a laser, but it, it, in that sense that it's, it's pointing towards a particular area. Now, where and how I do that is very much about what that person needs. And, and often I will speak to that person, or that person will speak to me, about what's going on with them in their lives and what are they seeking. So we'll know if they've got a problem walking, it's generally going to have to do with their spine or their legs. If they've got a problem with grieving, it might have to do with their heart. If they've hmm. got a, a problem breathing, it's probably their lungs or, or their, their whole breathing apparatus. Or if, if it's something that, that they're um, really having a hard time dealing with mentally, it'll be around the head. So I don't, I'm not a practiced Chinese medicine person, but I understand a lot about how the chakras work and the meridians work and all that. And I kind of intuitively work in those areas where there's different energy centers, let's say, for different experiences that that person's having that I interact with, uh, with the didgeridoo in a very specific way. That, that's, that's amazing. Because if you, the indigenous people, you know, natives of Australia, that's a, that's a big part of their, their culture. And, and this, it just, all this just goes to show how much, magic there still is out there you know oh, for lack absolutely. of a better word there's just so much that we don't understand on on sound and audio um brandon hey mike i i got a question for david um david have you it's one area i've i've gone into in some of my research uh in similar paths that you're going down there but have you gotten into cymatics and gone down that i love the images i've not used it for healing but i i find that it is a it, it plays to my uh, experience of synesthesia, which is the crossing over of, of different senses. And in this case, you're visualizing sound. And for those who don't know what cymatics are, it, it's that, that experience of putting particles on a, a drum head or a plate and then vibrating that. And depending on the frequency, it creates different kind of mandala images. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it does. I mean, that's one way to do it. Um, there's some. That's sort of kind of the old school way. You've probably seen some of the more advanced uh, ways of doing it in water. Basically, you can put a a speaker under. You know, you could do it like that way under like a metal plate and put rice or sand on it, and whatever tones you're sending through it, vibrate it, and they form into a shape and a very organic looking shape, a geometric but yet organic looking shape. And it's incredible because a lot of them, yeah, look like these mandala images that you see in like ancient, you know, like Hindu, you know, art and whatnot and and things like that. Um, but then there's a whole geometric mathematical side to it, too, which is just insane. And that that's what brought that up is the talking about the magic, Mike. Like that's why yeah. the magic in sound is like, you know, 
one of my favorite quotes is from Tesla. It's like the, I think he said it's, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but something like to unlock the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And it's like, that always resonated with me. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, and I, I would encourage anyone listening, if you haven't gone down the cymatics rabbit hole, there's this great documentary from Hans Yenny. Is this, it's like spelled like Jenny, uh, this guy from the 70s um, who did this wonderful documentary. And there's some more modern stuff out there too, but it's just, it's fascinating and truly magical when you, when you dig into it. You know, if you think about cymatics, um, that leads into something I want to talk about that has to do with, with nature. And that's the, the term of uh, bioacoustical footprints where it's the theory of basically no two places on this planet sound alike. Like even if you're in this room, what I, where I'm sitting right now sounds different than even a foot away from me because of the way the reflections are and everything. And I was, you know, thinking that, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that we, um, we credit like the magnetic fields and the way animals um, react with the earth's magnetic field. I think a lot of it is a lot of audio. I mean, I think some of this, if you think about the instinctual process of flying from North America to South America on some of the birds and things like that, what if they're using sonic highways? What if that's how they know to get from one place to another? You know, it's because it, they know how it sounds. And, and what if because of the way humanity is changing the sound of some of these routes. That's why some of these species have some problems. And, and like the swallows returning to Capistrano, it's not nearly what it used to be because the area is not nearly what it used to be. I'm only about 10 miles away from where that happens. And we used to go, you know, and, and go see that happen. And it just, it just doesn't happen the same way in swallows day, you know, they used to come in flocks and now they, 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 they come in flocks, but they go to like the school or they go to the houses or they go, you know, go to other places. So it's, and, and even, you know, if you think about some of the migratory patterns of, of things under the, under the water, you know, with the echolocations and some of the animals and things like that. What do you think, David? Do you think there's any validity to any of this stuff? Well, uh, you know, back to what Brandon was saying about Tesla's quote of vibration. If we consider that our senses are, all of our senses, and even those that the birds have for biomagnetic senses, are all really um, interpreting vibration in different frequencies. Uh, and our hearing is 20 to 20K. Our sight is like, you know, billions, many, 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 many times faster than that. Electromagnetic as well. Our touch is maybe a lot slower. So if we talk about the butterflies, where are they at in terms of their sensory organs? And it all comes back to what I was saying earlier about synesthesia. Our brains are, are compartmentalizing frequencies through our organs into different components of our, our brains and saying, oh, that's a sound. Oh, that's an image. Oh, that's a biomagnetic field that we don't feel. Well, maybe we do feel it. Okay. Uh, or maybe we don't. And, and that idea of it being magic, I think, is just simply that our organs uh, haven't extended far enough to, to perceive it. Yeah, I, yes. And, and when I use the term magic, it's mainly for my lack of understanding. <laughs> so, you know. Or, or perception, not just understanding, yeah. actually perception. And, and we as, as human organisms, we're limited 
most of us to certain perceptual levels. And those butterflies have different perceptions than we do. It's extrasensory perception for us, but for them, it's normal sensory perception. Well, let me, let me drop another thing on you guys that, that um, I kind of, cause I think of this weird stuff all the time. So, um, but when I was doing a lot of traveling, um, especially when I was shooting spaces and things like that, and you know, you go into old, went into a lot of old buildings. We went into a studio that was haunted and, and you could feel like it just, you had this feeling, this presence, this whole thing. And, and I remember later on thinking about it, think, and I've been into a couple of places that were haunted. I've been to several places. I kind of, I'm kind of a fan of that. <laughs> you know, Is it haunted? Yeah. I'd love to take a tour. You know, we, we played the Royal Albert hall with Stevie wonder. And it was like, Hey, you guys want to come, you know, take a tour, go to the haunted room. We're like, yeah. So we went with the, with the uh, promoter rep, but, uh, but every time you walk into these places and, you, and it feels like something's there, I was thinking, why can't that feeling be resonant? Like, this is going to sound weird, but like resonant audio, like resonant, you know, leftover vibrations from, from, from audio, from literally it, 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 it's, you know, energy isn't created or destroyed and, and some materials maybe have it on there. Maybe some people are way more, you know, tuned into that. I, I, I just, I don't know. I was just thinking, I, I think it's just something that would really explain a lot of this paranormal uh, feelings and things like that. There's several approaches you could look at. One is how, how does homeopathic medicine work? You, are you familiar with the principle behind home, homeopathy? I don't know about the principle. I know what it is, but I'm not. Uh, but what they do is they take a substance uh, that's usually like if, if, you're, if you're sick uh, and, and there's a substance that makes you sick, they'll take that substance and they'll dilute it. And they'll dilute it to the point where, you know, uh, multiplying the, the dilution, it, it gets to, uh, so small a dilution that it's smaller than an atom would be. You know, so it's like it can't even exist in it. However, there's this theory behind this that it, it's got a potency with the more dilution that it has. So just taking that kind of idea, it might be what's happening with your um, extrasensory perception about haunted houses, maybe. An another possibility, if yeah. you go to another theory, um, go into quantum theory and time-space uh, wraps around and it's still there because it's it, it, time and space. Uh, we just think of it as a linear thing with time. But in fact, if you wrap it around uh, and go into uh, a bit more like what's the fifth dimension like, not even just the fourth dimension, whereas, you know, and we can go into that space, which is what happens a lot with healers. Hmm. I'll say. Uh, healers and ecstatic states and, and all sorts of different human experiences do um, move through time in different manners than we're used to in a normal day. You know, it's, it's really interesting as you're saying some of this stuff because uh, uh, an example of where I felt like just something was there is in Paris. I, when I was in Paris and we were doing some filming, we went into um, Maxime's which is a famous, famous nightclub, um, you know, from the 1800s, you know, 1900s. I mean, it's been around for a long time. And, and this is where all the stars used to hang out and had these 
massive parties and it's just it's really it's a this famous place although when we were there it was pretty much looked like it was on its last legs unfortunately but there was so much history and there was like parties and it was the place to be and crowds and things like that and you walk in there and there was just this vibe about it this and and it just gets me going about when you when a place has a vibe you know like there was definitely a vibe it was like I don't know, like ghosts of, of people in the past, but it, you could almost, I don't know. I, I, it's almost like you could close your eyes and you can see the people dancing and you can see the band on the bandstand, that kind of stuff. And, and all of this is like, I don't know. I, I know we're getting a little, you know, a little do, 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 but it's just, it, it just makes me wonder though. It just, it just makes me wonder if, if some of this like could be like these resonant frequencies from the audio from all that noise all that energy well you're an antenna if that's the case and so it's just like are you receptive to that and so you culturally are prepared personally for that kind of thing to happen and you also have a belief system that allows it to happen like i was saying the, the sensory thing that you to you you believe it to be able to hear it um and then there's the placebo effect which is, Could be, yeah, absolutely. You want to hear it, you want to feel it, and you go in there and it happens to you because you believe it, so you hear it. Um, so I wouldn't discount that. Do you, my, were you, were we together, Mike? Uh, the years run together in my mind, but when we played at, in Berlin with Stevie at the place where Hitler had given a bunch of addresses and they had those tunnels underneath. Oh, uh, no, no, that was before my time. Ooh, okay. Wow! It wouldn't have been much before your time, but talk about a place with a vibe and not a positive vibe. But I remember Hitler had these escape tunnels where he would use to get to the stage of these giant stadiums. And those escape tunnels for us were the way you got to the dressing rooms, you know, completely <laughs> innocuous. But still, you're walking down these same tunnels that, you know, Hitler walked down and you're performing where he gave speeches and everything. And it's a very positive young crowd and there's nothing really scary or weird about it, but you can't help but feel the sense of history. Now, I'm willing to believe 100% it's our minds just knowing what the history is there. You know, you sort of build up in your mind this this feeling about it. But also beyond that, you couldn't help but feel this is a this is a dark place. Like, and everybody was feeling it. And, and I got to believe there was something beyond just knowing the history of the place. Yeah, and I, 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 that's... You know, you make you make a great point there, Rob. That's like, that's why I think we could put. I, I'm I'm into science, and I'm sorry I'm stumbling over our words, but I'm trying to trying to, you know, explain what I'm thinking. But it seems to me that some of the stuff that people dismiss as being, you know, you know, ghosts and goblins and things like that, like if if it can be as simple as just vibrations that are still there, as minute as they are, like that they could still somehow that energy is still there. And I'm not, it could really explain a lot of things. And it, it could, except we all know that, you know, uh, like just take an audio wave. If, yeah. if you're not powering it, it dissipates. And, right. you know, there's no audio wave that you're still going to be able to sense at any level a hundred years later, 200 years later. That, that's, that's true. But, but, you know, but different frequencies dissipate at different rates. Like there's a whole bunch of other things that could play into it other than just audible audio. And, and I'm thinking like sympathetic 
resonance. Um, it's not the initial, like, this is still not the same sound wave per se, but what if there's on a molecular level, there's still something that's vibing on there. I mean, it's I like. David wants to get in, but like, I have a hard time. Like there's no, you're not going to hit a tuning force tuning fork and then your great 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 grandchildren are going to be feeling the resonance from it. I, but, but I know but when you say dissipate like it doesn't it, dissipate isn't and dissipate is kind of just goes off I don't know David but what do you think look at radioactive uh, decay that can take thousands of years true uh, and, and so it's an it's a different vibration than acoustic vibration right it's not audible it's not it's a, not audible but that's why I was saying we're talking about the spectrum of of all vibrations, if we're going to t get into this discussion, it's not just pure 20 to 20K vibrations that we're talking about. And that's where I'm talking about having different um, perceptual uh, recognitions of it, where we can call it synesthesia, some other organ, perceptual organ, that may not even be our normal five senses is able to perceive something that is still there. And I'm not justifying, I'm just I'm proposing a, a theory that maybe what you're experiencing, Mike, is a, not an acoustic vibration, but something that is what you call maybe sympathetic or, or some something that is radioactive energy. I don't know what to call that's it. That's more likely though, that's much more likely. And, and maybe that's an organ that, that is inside of you. By the way, the pineal gland specifically is an organ that has been associated with extrasensory perception. Science isn't very advanced on this, but, but a lot of mediums and, and, and psychics uh, have identified certain parts of the brain that are actually much more developed um, for their extrasensory perception, let's say. Brandon, were you going to say something? You looked like you were going to... You wanted to add. Yeah, I, I kind of forget, but I just want to say I love this conversation where we're going. I don't think the podcast has gone here before, and this is great. I love this stuff. Um, the Just in terms of what you're saying, David, and the, the Tesla quote I said earlier with we're talking about, you know, not just sound, but all vibration. And it's like it's interesting also to think about the emotional component to that because, you know, we may not think of that as vibration, but it's, you know, there's a lot we don't know, you know, as much as we know, scientifically, there's an ocean of knowledge we just don't understand yet. And um, there could be, you know, emotional vibrations that are echoing, you know, if time and if past, present, future all exist at the same time, which we're talking about things not being linear, you know, could an emotion being experienced in the past be felt in the future? that type of thing. And maybe that's what you're feeling, Mike, when you go to a haunted place, maybe there's a negative emotion that is somehow reverberated into the future. And again, all theoretical, I don't understand how that could work, but it's interesting to talk about. Well, I'm going to riff on that for a second. Please there, is, there, there are actual books written and, and pictures drawn about that. And one of them is called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, uh, who was a NASA scientist before she became uh, a, a, a psychic, you could call her. And she explains it in very scientific terms and trains people as well. She has a whole school on this. And what she's drawn are uh, the different um, energetic bodies. They're like onion rings around our physical body that exist uh, like the emotional body and the mental body, et cetera, et cetera. 
And uh, these are uh, bodies that I have personally been trained to perceive. A teacher taught me how to do that, uh, and I didn't have it before. So it's not something that I was born gifted, um, but it is something that I can perceive and turn it into, a, in my brain, a sound uh, or a color or a physical sensation in my skin. And now this goes beyond my experience, but theoretically, these energetic bodies could exist beyond the physical body and transcend time. So I'll just throw it out there for the listeners to kind of... <laughs> Actually, you know what? A more mundane example to me, and it's considerably more mundane. And by the way, Brandon, I'm glad after 223 episodes, we did finally find a new... <laughs> but to me, the enigma of perfect pitch has always been a weird thing. That's, you know, ever, ever so since good. I was a little kid... Um, and I'm, I'm one of six kids and two of us actually have perfect pitch. One of my sisters has it as well. But ever since I was a little kid, like somebody could say, sing an A and I could sing an A or, or they'd play a note on a piano and I would tell them what note it was or what chord it was. Or like they'd play something and I'd write it out musically. And it was nothing I was ever trained to. I mean, this is from when I was like two years old. Yeah. It just was built in. But and yes, perfect pitch is related to the musical scale that we're all used to. You know, an A440 sure. doesn't, like no one in Indian scales cares about an A440 as much. But it just always struck me as weird. Like, why is it built into my bones that I know what these pitches are? And then when I hear music, I see the staff and I see what the orchestra's playing and all that kind of stuff. Wow. But it's not, I mean, I don't know. It's definitely nothing that someone is taught but where does it come from because you're basically relating a frequency to all other aspects of your life and for me it's it's ears tied to eyes like if i sit in a concert and i hear an orchestra playing i'm sort of seeing the staff notation of what each of the people are playing which was very handy when i was doing my movie trailers and stuff because <laughs> you know second violins are flat or you know that kind of stuff because i was hearing it all separately but i don't know where it comes from and it always struck me as i, I do have a comment about that it, it, i mean this is another example of synesthesia but somebody recently told me and uh maybe it was you mike that the the People with uh, perfect pitch, there's a very small percentage in the population that have perfect pitch. But in the area of autism, it's like enormously high. The people with autism uh, just somehow have perfect pitch. I mean, we're talking like over half. And how is that? And, and so there's something to do with the way the, the brain is wired. Uh, that has to do with perfect pitch and, and plugging in. I mean, if you think of it like in sight, uh, we can all kind of look at the color red and agree that's red. You know, we don't have to have something next to it to say, well, is it orange or is it uh, purple? Oh, no, that's red. And that's how, you know, um, uh, relative pitch would, would need another color next to it to say, oh, that's red. But we all have perfect sight in terms of color. So why not perfect pitch? Ah. 
But you know what? Except Rob. I have perfect pitch, but I'm colorblind. That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> where we go. Wow. You know what? This. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. Is this whole thing is crazy. Hey, we're, we're going to have to wrap this up, but we're not done with this topic because this is, an, this is an awesome topic. And the thing I love about it is it's like just starting with sound. It's something so easy that we can all can relate to. And then it just kind of goes out from there. And and there's there's something comforting about just trying to find a little bit of understanding in all this stuff because it's pretty fascinating, you know. Well, also to, to simplify, also everything is frequencies. Sound just happens to be a range of frequencies, just yeah. like sight is, just like everything is. So yeah. we're we're fo- we're very focused on that range. Yep. So David, thank you so much. We're gonna you're coming back. We're gonna talk about this more because there's so many different areas, but it's so yeah. fascinating. And oh, it's, absolutely. absolutely. And it's just it just brings magic back and like, I, I, you know, it's just, it's fun. You know, when you get a little bit of, of knowledge and then you go into a place where you don't really understand, but you have this little grasp to me, that's, that's fun. That's like, like, let's, okay, let's go through. Let's just make, let's just open up to the possibilities, you know? And, and I'm not cynical enough to, you know, to want to put these borders down and just say, no, 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 you know, I, and it can all work together. Even, you know, this all can work together, even with my spiritual beliefs and things like that. It's just really exciting once you start deep diving into some of this stuff and, and some of the possibilities. And I'll tell you what, it makes going into old structures just a lot more fun. <laughs> just a, like, you know, going into the, the Tower of London and you just, just the sense, the history that's there and things like that. It's just all, it's all fun. So thank you so much. Hey, before we go, um, Rob, are you working on anything that you can talk about? Or you, uh... I'm actually working on some interesting things with David, uh, which I don't know if we're talking about yet or not. I'll leave that to David, but we're, we're definitely exploring, uh, music and the mind. And, uh, he's got a very interesting product that I'm lucky enough to be helping with a bit. And he, I'll let him, uh, talk about it. Yeah. yeah. What I'm doing. We, we need an evening for that, but sing and speak for kids is a program that we're developing. It's more than developing. We're, we're almost ready to launch, uh, really broadly, uh, to help children with autism or other speech delays like English language learners to learn how to speak through song. That's and it's fantastic. working. And we're so excited uh, to, to see it uh, help so many kids and families. Well, we'll dive into that when you guys are ready to launch, and that'll be really fun. Brandon, is there anything you're working on that you want to talk about? or uh, Nothing new, just making some new tunes. All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm still working on the five one. I'll give you, keep you guys updated and all that. And, uh, and I'll tell you what the final total was as soon as I get it all done to put this, the whole studio together. And uh, I'll let you guys follow this whole journey. And when, uh, when I'm done with it, cause I'm still in the middle and buying the plugins is the fun stuff. I have a ton of own, but getting new stuff is, is always great. Well, hey, listen, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And just so you guys know, our next podcast is going to be our 15-year anniversary podcast. So 15 years. All right. From myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. You're still our favorite frequency, Joey. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbitier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, 
Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time.